Welcome to the Alternative to Rehab podcast with your host, Dave Cooper. So this session is, we could call it transformed, um, it, it's, but it is attempting, it's going to attempt to, to deal with a question that came up for me and it, it really feels to me like there's a word in it. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get across the idea of this, but I'll try my best. So the idea that all of my calling is based on is the idea that we have to start from the inside, that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind, and that is internal, and that then is outworking uh, from that point. In other words, that the way you think, right, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, right? It, what's on the inside comes out. You know, a bad tree can't bear good fruit, a good tree can't bear bad fruit, and a dozen other examples of the idea that we're coming from the inside. Because we're dealing, when we deal with the inside, we're dealing with the most important part. When Jesus condemned the Pharisees, Notice what he said. He said, on the outside is all whitewashed and gleaming. He said, but in, on the inside is decay. He's, so, you know, he's clear there which is the most important part, right? Because when you're working with the inside, you're working with your spirit, and that is eternal. But the flesh, what's on the outside, is temporary. So I'm not saying it's not important what you do. I'm saying that what you do is an outworking of who you are. So where did this come from, this idea? Well, I'm working at the moment with a designer for the cover of the book that I'm writing, or that I have written, and I wanted a professional designer to, uh, you know, who knows the market and knows how to design book covers, which I've never done. And... His first idea really was not, as it were, seeing the difference between what the book's about and what Christians generally go to when it comes with, they think about interaction with God, which is the cleansing through the blood. So his first cover design was the idea of, well, this is your interaction with God, you're cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. And of course, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, but that's not where the book is. The book is after that, right? The, the clues in the title, I'm a Christian, so why am I still dot, dot, dot? You know, why is this still happening to me? Why am I still like this? So we're past the idea of being cleansed by the blood. In other words, that's not the subject. So what is the subject? The subject is how do we grow? Once we have seen the light right? So we see the light, but then we have to move towards the light, right? So a lot of Christians, certainly not only through bad teaching in the churches, but through a misunderstanding and also a mixture of modern day culture and all sorts of problems and reasons, uh, I, I see a lot of Christians don't seem to get this. And so I think it is worth harping on about it and going on about it, because we need to really understand this difference. So, what, what's the main problem with this difference? What, the main problem is that we don't make a distinction. 
I always say God does the, he uh, the healing and we do the recovery. God does the healing, we do the recovery. In other words, we make a clear distinction between our responsibilities. And the problem is when you don't make that distinction is that you're continually going back to God with things you should be doing. Something you should be dealing with, you're then on your knees again asking God to do it for you when he has done his part of the responsibility, right? He's opened the eyes of your heart. He has, uh, you know, you've had your Damascus Road experience or whatever it is that's, that's happened to you and you have submitted to God and you have been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb and you said, I'm, I'm submitting my life, I'm committed, I'm going to church, I'm a Christian, but oops, I'm still full of sin. I'm still not uh, in any way um, achieving what I should be as a Christian. I'm not able to do what the Bible says. Why not? Because I, I, I'm still sinful and I'm still acting out in sinful ways. And often people don't know about this, I don't show them, I hide it, or whatever. Or I'm just not getting where I should be. Well, the problem then is that you go back to God and say, Oh Lord, you know, now I'm begging you, Lord, help me with this. Now I'm begging you, Lord, do this for me. I'm praying to you about this. And actually we should be, we should be doing it ourselves. So... Working out this thing with this cover design, what I'm explaining to the designer is that it's not about the cleansing of the blood uh, by the blood of the Lamb. It's actually about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And this is important, you know, what Paul writes and how Paul writes, because what he's saying is be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He doesn't say be transformed by the cleansing of the blood of the lamb he says be transformed by the renewing of your mind in other words he's talking about what happens next what happens afterwards and so you know this is romans 12 verse 2 of course right so let's let's be clear on this distinction right healing is what god does we can't do it he does it but it's different to recovery or growth or progress or transformation, whatever you want to call it, which is our responsibility, right? So let's look at these ideas. Basically what we're saying is the spirit comes first and then the flesh. And again, this causes a lot of problems when we start to work on the flesh first and not the spirit. And, and, and I've said in many of the podcasts previously that it's understandable when we do this. It's common sense to do this. Why? Because so much of our flesh is based on appearance. We want to look good. We want other people to think good things about us. And so we immediately start, you know, chopping away at our behavior and, you know, nudging ourselves into acting, looking better or whatever, but not necessarily working on the inside. What is the problem with working on the inside? Well, it's, it's exactly the opposite difficulty, which is that no one gets to see it. That's why it's so hard to do, is because you can spend all day working on the inside of you uh, in terms of being renewed by, you know, the renewing of your mind and, and all of that stuff, and no one gets to see it. You don't even get any brownie points or anything. Nobody knows except you and God. 
right? And so this was what helped me so much when I first went to AA, was basically they said to me, we want you to start doing things that only you and God know about. Oh, what a fascinating idea, right? Imagine if you did that now. Uh, imagine, imagine if you made that your goal for the next week, to do things that only you and God know about. Now, um, I'm not talking to people who already do that, clearly. I'm talking to people who are working like mad and not getting anywhere. So, let's talk about this spirit and flesh idea, because an idea came to me in prayer uh, when I looked into this. And it's the very simple and obvious idea, which you may have missed, which is that Jesus came first and then Paul. Jesus came first and then Paul, right? So Jesus comes along and we've got this incredible son of God dying for our sins. And, you know, he's the spirit, right? He's the spirit. He's talking about the kingdom of God all the time, which is the spirit. And what happens then is that you've got this character, Saul, who is so passionate about religion, he's so committed, uh, you know, and, and he says in, in his word, you know, when he writes, he's, he says, uh, you know, as a, as a religious person, I am faultless, you know, and he gives all his qualifications for that. And he's so, um, you know, enthusiastic, if that's the right word, that he, he, he has letters from uh, the... Um, the, the, the Pharisees to go and kill Christians and he persecutes them so much so that when he first was saved uh, he, he didn't actually go to Jerusalem and, and talk to the Christians there he went for, for th it was three years before he met them you know because he, he, he knew that they hated him and he knew that they were frightened of him so this idea that Jesus came first and Paul came second I don't know if you've thought about this much, but, you know, when you look at the disciples, I'm talking about the close disciples now, the, the 11 uh, that, he, that were chosen, they weren't the brightest, you know, they weren't the sharpest tools in the box, were they, honestly, you know? And so many of the questions and so many of the things that Jesus helped them with and so on, uh, they, they, was, they were very simple-minded, you know? Now... There's a reason for that. Absolutely there is. Uh, that wasn't an accident. But what I'm saying is, they may not have been very smart, but Paul was. Paul was incredibly smart. Maybe the smartest person who ever lived. And you can see it in his writing, the level of intelligence and the level of understanding. So I'm just saying, if he'd have walked with the Lord, the Gospels would have read very differently, wouldn't they? I mean, Jesus could have and would have dealt with all his questions, of course. But imagine how it would have read. It wouldn't have been the same thing, would it? So you've got this incredibly smart guy who's on the road to Damascus and is uh, blinded by the Lord, falls off his horse, blind for three days, and he says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And his life is changed forever. So what we're saying is Jesus is the spirit and Paul is the flesh in this sense, right? And he's always talking about this. He's always saying, uh, like in Philippians 2.12, you know, that you should be working out your salvation with fear and trembling. You know, he's saying in, in Romans 12.2, he's saying uh, 
that you should be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He talks about beating up his flesh and he's talking about, you know, running the race and all this type of stuff. This is great stuff. And what he's basically saying or what he's coming into line with is the biblical truth that salvation is a process. And again, it's a mistake that we make when we uh, come to Christ and we come in, in and have this salvation that we think of it as a moment. And you even hear people talk like this, you know, I, you know, I was saved on the 18th of November in 19, you know, whatever. That's how people often talk. Like, that was the moment, brother, I saw the light. Well, sure you did. Absolutely you did. But are you moving towards it? What have you done about that since then? You know? Because salvation is a process. Not that you can lose it or that you didn't fully get it or something. But it's the idea that, and again, I'm not a Greek scholar, but I'm assured that the words are, to, it means continually working. In other words, that you are, your salvation is continuous. And it's, um, yeah, I mean, Philippians 2.12 is probably the best example, though. When it, the, the verb there, to work out your salvation, it, it's basically saying continually work on your salvation. Because it's a process. You see, in Matthew 16.24, Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you know, you have to deny yourself and take up your cross. And then follow me. Right? In other words, you have to do something. And that something is starting within you. It starts on the inside. So that's what we're trying to get across. Right? And, and trying to get across this very powerful but somewhat tricky idea, particularly in modern times, that it all starts on the inside. And that you should make a distinction between what is called your salvation and what is what Paul calls your transformation. Not that um, they are completely different, because in a complex way, of course, salvation is continuous. And so your transformation is part of your salvation. But if you think of salvation as happening in, in one split second, then... Uh, then you're never going to get to that understanding. You're going to think, well, it's all been done now, and then, so why am I still full of sin? Oh, well, maybe I'm not a real Christian, or maybe, you know, maybe I should hide that. Maybe I, maybe, you know, maybe I should just pray harder or longer or something, like God doesn't already know what you want. Taking responsibility for that transformation is, is hugely important. When I had my Damascus Road experience in 1984, I had gone for help. I'd asked for help, which was the first part of my humility. And they told me, uh, the people who tried to help me, said, only God can, can help you here. You, you're in an impossible situation. You know, you can't help you. We can't help you. No human power can actually help you. Only God can actually help you. And so I spent three or four days thinking about that and realizing that I was in trouble because I didn't have any faith. And so I became open-minded and I started to read and think about that. 
And something like three or four days later, I found myself on top of a hill, sitting on a bench, looking at the world, uh, and sort of um, being re ready, if you like, for uh, for whatever was next, knowing that I didn't have it. Um, and God met me in that moment, and I was completely renewed as a person, healed, you know. I, I've had no interest in, in drugs or alcohol since that moment. From that moment on, it's now 40 years later, and I've, you know, completely uh, healed of it. And I, other changes were that, you know, instead of hating people, I became interested in people, and I work now as a therapist and so on. So I was completely healed. But... What's happened in that 40 years is that I've spent the last 40 years growing. And I consider that to be part of my salvation. And there were no, you know, there were no instructions that floated down from heaven on a, on a piece of paper that said, oh, this is what's happened, um, and now uh, you need to do this. You know, I just walked home and thought, well, that was a bit weird. My, I called it my spiritual experience, you know. Uh, but... The further away I get from it, the, the bigger it seems looking back, and the more important it seems. And so I spent and have spent, and I'm still spending, my time uh, taking up my cross, denying myself, and following Jesus. And that is the, the transforming experience where you're saying, I am submitted to your will. And to understand that, I have to uh, I have to read the word, and I have to understand that that I have to now uh, work with my flesh, uh, so that like the disciples, it comes into line with God's word, and it doesn't do that naturally. There's no way you, you're always going to be conflicted if you don't uh, disciple uh, yourself. So. I hope that got a message across and I hope that that helps you and maybe um, makes a useful distinction uh, that maybe you haven't previously made between these two things. So that even though you've seen the light, right, now you can see your responsibility in moving towards that light. So, bless you. Until next time. Bye for now.